0: Hello and welcome back to RocketPod. So, for today's episode, we are joined by the brilliant Johnson B. Harry VC, Sean Blackwood, and Rupert Bravery as we discuss their journeys and venture with the JB VC Foundation, who are on a mission to rebuild lives beyond gang culture. We join the conversation now.
1: Yeah. So basically, um, because of my background, I mean, coming from coming from the Caribbean, coming here to this country. England um, life was pretty tough even in Grenada growing up and coming to England it was probably about 20 to 30 percent better when I when I just came here um, in 99 I spent some time on the streets involving drugs and gang and um, yeah that, that side of life illegal stuff and I decided that's not the way I was brought up back in Grenada so I decided I wanted to get out of that environment so I joined the, the, the army to get away from the life I was living um, within three and a half years of being in the military my whole life changed because okay. my action in Iraq um, led me to receive the Victoria Cross, um, which was well received in this country. That's incredible. I mean, the way I was treated after I received the Victoria Cross by the British public, is even still today, is amazing. So I wanted to give something back, but I was working with loads of charity, helping loads of charity. And personally, I didn't believe that the money I was raising was going to the cause I wanted to, or they say it was going to. Mm -hmm. So I decided, well, maybe I should do it for myself. And Rupert been with me from day one. I spoke to him about it. I said to him, look, I want to set up the JBVC Foundation. I didn't really know how I was gonna develop the JBVC Foundation and which direction I was gonna go. I tried different um, pilot scheme to see how it would work. Um, I didn't really have a clear direction on how I was gonna work with um, young people. So I tried different um, aspect, different pilot scheme. And it come to me that probably it's best to help the people that are left behind. Mm-hmm. And that's how the JBVC Foundation take the direction it has today. Working with young people in jobs and gang and knife crime.
2: I just got goosebumps, actually. I just got goosebumps, you, you know, it, saving the people that you left behind. Because that, that's, that's very powerful. That's very, very powerful right there.
0: Um, I'd be interested to understand, so these kind of people that you're trying to help that have gone into gang, what kind of, and from your experience, what, what do these people go through to go get start getting into these gangs? Why do they follow that path?
1: It's not clear cut on, on direction and why young people end up in that direction. There's it's lots of different aspects in their life. It could yeah. be bullied, it could be... Life at home. It could be friends. It could it could be loads of different things. In my case, it was friends. Yeah, because I was new to this country, and the friends I had, and actually the the the, the group of friends that I developed, they was smoking and drinking, mm-hmm. which was not miles and miles away from my background, growing up in the Caribbean because in the Caribbean, people drink and smoke, you know about it but I never, you know, done it myself yeah. um, smoking but drinking, yeah um, that was just normal in the Caribbean but for young people here, I mean, again it's still it's still difficult to to pinpoint what is the, the core problem of the issue, why they end up there um, yeah, fingers fingers Pointing is, I think, is fair to say, probably home problem, peer pressure, um, the friends you keep. And again, the people who involve in drugs are quite high up recruit young people to work for them. And the way they do it is pretty simple. They will hang around schools, they will look at the kids that are a bit more underprivileged than others they start talking to them they'll offer them things and then slowly that one uh, mobile phone or a pair of trainers that they offer them grow into something else so it, it's a work in progress and um, it's not just yeah it's happening straight away um in my case, on on the street, I I probably was one of them that used to recruit, but not me direct. I had people doing that for me, right? Because I never, you know, been on the street running around. You know, I had people doing that for me. So I don't, I can't. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say, is actually around that kind of. Um, direction for young people getting into, into crime. So you could say, um, to recap, bullying, peer pressure, um, the friends they keep problem at home wanting certain things in life and they cannot get it and it being offered by others. Yeah. Um, again, which would lead them onto doing illegal stuff.
2: There's, I guess there's different motivations, but there's the belonging to be part of a, a family. Maybe um, it's the short, the short-term gain of material things. Um, but I think it, it sounds like there's um, there's not. Uh, I guess this Rupert was talking about risk assessment. That it, it's so short-term that it they don't think about where it might lead them.
1: Um, well, society today is everything is short-term. What you see and you want. You just want to get it, yep. And the easy access and easiest route to get it is that route, you know, getting involved mm-hmm. in illegal stuff. Um, so the, the the short term is appealing. The long term, no one see the long term when coming for, especially young people. I I don't think they think that far ahead.
3: So it's it's an honest. You and I have had a number of honest conversations. So. The past and, and just background for the others, often Sean and I are discussing things which sometimes people are afraid to do because they're afraid of how people might view them or make assumptions about them. But as Sean keeps telling me, we need to have the difficult conversations if we're to get to the truth and we're if and if we are to move on and make society better because we've been at this from the start, and I've never asked you this question. Why did you ask me to, to run the charity in it?
1: If I go back to uh, how we, we met, um, we met in a school yep. years and years ago, I was doing a speech yep. and this kid came up to me and asked um, about the military and how to join. And I said to him, for, I think I asked him, what was his age? And then I said to him, uh, he should focus on his education. The military could come, you know, any time after in his life, but education is first. I mean, w- without education, you cannot get what you want. And at the end of the, the speech, um, I was mingling. And this man came up to me and said, oh, that's the best thing you could ever say to him because he don't listen to anyone. Um by the way. And we we started speaking, and I think very quick, we realized we both have the same interests. You know, um, we both petrol head. I think our relationship from there, because we was in contact, I was invited by Rupert. I think that's the first, the hook was when he invited me to McLaren. And I think that's the hook. And from there on, we always, I think if if I look at all the years we know in each other, our relationship from day one and today is probably the same. And um, when well, Rupa was my best man in my wedding as well. So we, we take it, you know, and developing the, the foundation. It started by a conversation about, the, you know, the I wanted to set up the JBVC Foundation, the direction I think about taking and I think everything just gel into each other.
3: Yeah, yeah probably because I was, well, you know what I'm like, James. I started telling him how we should organise it. I, the reason I asked that question, because I've never asked him before, is because the first time I met Sean, this is a segue into Sean, the first time I met Sean, when we were, um, we were interviewing you about being our, our lead caseworker, Sean asked me one of the most insightful questions I've been asked in a long time. And he said to me, knowing my background, he said, Well, why are you doing this? And I thought, That is a, that is a very intelligent question. Nobody else has asked me that. But he, uh, he had to ask me a bloody question I couldn't answer satisfactorily. I don't think I answered it actually, at that point. I thought the only way I'm going to show through my actions, because well, I can't actually articulate why I'm doing it. But I, I just thought, there is a man with insight. And, and the, from that moment, I thought, yeah, we have to have him as our case. Right? Yeah, well,
4: there was a reason why um, I asked that. Um, I spoke to you guys and obviously saw your background. And for me, um, in this kind of business that I'm I in at the moment, money has not always been the motivation for me. So it's important for me to know what was the reasoning behind... You know, everybody wanting to be involved in, in this foundation. It looked, it looked great. It's, it's, you know, something that I can sink my heart into and you know, mm-hmm. think my all. So I wanted to know fine, thank you. the reasoning behind behind it. You know, even for the organisation I work for, I still question the motives and the, their morals about what it is they do and why. Um, because you know, if I feel like I'm giving everything to this for for my own reasons. I'd rather be doing it with people that genuinely have have more than just figures or some sort of outcome, you know, more to somebody who knows, who wants to know more about why and what is going on here. Because every day to me, I learn all the time about what it is that gets people into these situations. I look at my own, my own life, my own upbringing um, and look at how you know, in hindsight, this stuff happened, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's important for me to know that people that I'm working with or their agendas are the same. As Otherwise I just, I just don't, I couldn't work in that environment. And, um, for me, I've, I've looked a lot about, I always do look at the young people that I work with now, people that I know personally, you know, look at families and look at cultures and stuff. And I realized that, um, you know poverty is not necessarily a reason behind certain violence or certain crime um statistics in a in a in a country even or in in a city so i have to look more past that because we've, we've seen studies and stuff about the poorest countries in the world and you know some of the more wealthiest and you look at the maybe the murder rate per capita a hundred thousand and some of the poorest countries in the world, they have a very low murder rate. So it can't it can't be due to poverty, um, and so I have to look more <clears throat> into what what is what is in, in what goes on in some of these countries or some of these cities that that you know, we have these issues going on. And I've realised and seen that culture has a has a lot to do with it. Rupert and I had a conversation once, and I was telling Rupert about you know how I was brought up. And how um, I was brought up by a single mum i've got two brothers, and I guess she was trying to make sure that you know we were, we were tough and able to stand up for ourselves and stuff like that, so you know it wasn't acceptable to sort of back down from from confrontation or you know an issue you know, even if it's a, a fight situation I wasn't I wasn't told <laughs> unlike Rupert's mum told him you know if you get into a situation if you can leg it leg it you know mine was the complete opposite if I legged it <laughs> and I got and I and I you know my mum found out Oh, this happened I got punched in the face yeah. and she didn't want to what's the leg it part what did you do about it that was that was the question not not how's your lip you know what i'm saying it was always like you know what did you do about it so yeah and, and i think ours was like you know my mom's one was um you know if if somebody you know bullies you or takes advantage of you if you don't do something about it it will continue happening that, that mm-hmm. was that was her thing so you know it was um i guess you know not having a, a, a dad around and stuff like that she was just trying to make sure that you know she could we could we could survive
2: Yep, survival
4: so, yeah, and um,
2: there's an element of truth in that too, isn't there's an element of yeah, truth, but it's just, but I mean, it's how far do you
4: take it? Is the how far do you take it? So that's what it is, right, right. well, Because I mean, even with my own children, you know, you've got you, you want it, you want them to be able to go out into the world, and you're not always going to be there to, to to chase after them and and sort, of sort things out for them. So it's a mindset of understanding that you know you have to deal with situations um confrontation doesn't always mean a physical confrontation sometimes it can just be a level of assertion you know you you you're going to you know stand up for what you believe in or or things like that but um so there is a way there is a there is an understanding to it i mean going to school me when i started like you know secondary school and i went to a boys school it was a pretty, pretty rough school um, it's changed a lot now but um at the time it was like you know, pack pack animal mentality and stuff so the first day in school everybody's trying to you know find out who's who in that in in, in the school so the first few days in school there were a lot of facts in school because mm-hmm. that was what everyone was sort of testing and it it really does work out better for you if you do stand up for yourself <laughs> believe it or not i mean yeah 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 so yeah. trying to hide or run away from it is not gonna it's not gonna be
3: beneficial so
4: My thought process was already like, you know, well, if, it, if it's going to happen, if it's happening, the fight's taking place, then make the most of it sort of thing. So you make an example out of that first fella, and it might save you a lot of a lot of other fights. And funny enough, that mindset um, worked. I guess it prepared me for even when I was in prison because it was a boys school that I went to. I then went on to prison, which was like a big boys school, just like locked in. And, um,
3: a boarding a lot, school.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot, of the, um, a lot of the same cultures, if you like, exist in, in those environments. And you can be, you know, through my, my term in prison, I saw a lot of people that were victims. And I've seen, you know, things happen to people. And, I, you know, you haven't got anybody that's going to come and, and rescue you. In those situations and I, I look at those people and I was at that time I guess I was thankful of, of the way I was I was brought up you know in terms of surviving surviving that sort of thing. I was never you know a victim not that I was a perpetrator but you know I saw people that were victimized and stuff throughout their throughout their sentences and stuff in all sorts of ways. So you know in, in some ways I was I was equipped to um handle and deal with deal with um situations. But um in terms of in terms of the culture, I think why why I'm so at the moment stuck on culture so much is because um you know with, with social media and stuff now, I get I get I could be in my bonnet talking about you know the young people that are all into the into um you know the Snapchats and the Instagrams and all of these live stuff that they do because so many people that like peer pressure has always been a massive issue for young people when you're trying to sort of find yourself as a person. You know, you're not really happy with the way you look, you know, your build or the clothes that you wear, you know, you, the money you earn. You don't, you know, you're giving pocket money at, those, at, that, at that young age. So these young people are so influenced and and um by by so by their peers anyway. And I think social media has turned that up and amplified that. To, to the to the tenth power because um it's it's making people everybody be able to see more of what um used to be going on in school maybe somebody's smoking and or some you're talking about young people talking about sex and you know everyone's like oh you haven't you had sex yet everybody'd be like teasing you but now because of this social media stuff and that now people are acting up and proving themselves trying to prove themselves to I don't know four thousand followers that they don't even know. And seeking validation from you know it happens to grown people much less um young people so i think with the culture yep. what's going on especially in some of the communities and that they've got like acidic communities i'd like to call them because of the culture because you know everybody needs to nothing's nothing's okay to have as a young person i mean when we were young when i first started driving cars you know we'd but we'd drive yes and old escorts or you know, little cars that we could, we're all affordable sort of cars and that. Whereas young people now in this, in this sort of fast paced lifestyle, they want to leave school and drive a brand new car out of the showroom, which was Mm -hmm. something you'd never even think about doing. Hadn't even been in a showroom before, a proper showroom. Um, So this is where, this is where they are. And it's, it's a hard act to follow if they, if this, and I'm using the car as just a sort of example, but, in everything that they do everything's accelerated and everything's speeded up and it's like if you've gone from you know having a having a brand new mercedes at at 18 or 17 and then next by 19 that mercedes you can't afford it or it has gone back or whatever the case may be it's so i've seen it so many times where that that person do desperate things to keep up with, with with you know the joneses if you like and um it can happen across the board in terms of clothing, reputation. They they, they push themselves beyond sensible sort of reasoning because of the peer pressure that they put themselves in. And I think if they haven't been if haven't been taught, or you know you haven't been guided into understanding yourself and understanding what is important from what's not important and stuff like that, and you don't have that sort of solid background behind you, you can be you can get into that. Scenario in that situation and be led well, led or just go astray very quickly. So, um, cultures and understanding cultures is important. And um, I think uh, Rupert, I brought Rupert over to my estate because I wanted him to, I want, where my estate is where I grew up, where I grew up on, and that because I wanted him yeah. to sort of not just see or me talk about it, but when he was there, you can feel, you can look and feel. Mm-hmm. The environment that you're in, and it, it's even changed a lot from since when I was there. But you still got a sense of how people were living on top of each other. You can understand, mm-hmm. you know, for a young person growing up, I mean, I think I had the best time ever, and I wouldn't have really changed that, that upbringing in terms of the community and you know, that sense of belonging. in, in When you, when you grow up in a, in a big housing estate like that, in, in London or wherever, in the, I can imagine, wherever in the world, um, because people are all of the same, similar income. You know, the young people, you, you, you're allowed to play out. It's heavily pedestrianised, so don't, no vehicles drive through there. You can't get like knocked over as a kid. So um, we were allowed to play out. Everyone sort of at their windows, watching, looking out the window. So everybody sees over everybody, and, and you grow up in that environment. So we could be playing, I don't know, 40, 40 or, you know, Whatever we play and there'd be there'd be easily forty, fifty kids playing out. So there's plenty of people to play football teams and whatever we were playing outside, there was plenty of kids that were out to play. And then, you know, you grew up in that community. You live so close to each other, I'm sure even in households, some people, some some people on the estate, as you saw Rupert, they, they live closer together than people that live in the same house
3: in some circumstances. There's two things that I found interesting because Sean was saying we used to run around here playing 40-40. And I used to play that at my first boarding prep school at the age of eight. And I thought, that's really interesting. That I used the,
2: to play that. Great game.
3: <laughs> is he plays right across the social divide.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'd like to take this moment to introduce to you our sponsor Flexi, the must have app to track and manage your subscriptions in one place. So most of us have multiple subscriptions nowadays for things like streaming services, gym memberships and food deliveries, these are great and take the hassle out of buying everyday products that we consume regularly, but it can be hard to keep track of them. That's where Flexi comes in handy, using super secure technology to connect your accounts to see all your subscriptions in a single dashboard, putting you in control of your spending. And what's more, Flexi subscription marketplace allows you to discover new products you may love, all easy to pause, resume, or cancel in a swipe or two. So give Flexi a try. It's free to download from the App Store or check out their website at www.flexiapp.uk. That's F-L-E-X-Y app.uk. Back to the podcast. Uh, but the, the other thing is
3: that over time listening to what sean was saying about uh, his upbringing and what it was like there and the changes that have been made since you were a child and going into those blocks and thinking the security put a lot of security measures in to keep the people safe in the blocks mm. once you're in the block you feel like you're in a, in a prison
4: yeah
3: the security measures are they keeping keeping people out, or are they making the people who live there they, prison in their own homes? That was my that was my gut feel as I travelled around the shore. Yeah.
2: So are they protected? Is it? I guess if it's in a particular area or a state, um, is that um, well? Is the, I mean, like on the, the gang side of things, is it? Is it kind of operate? Is it they protect well, it's, the, it's, the states or?
4: Okay, well. i i I said to rupert because um in peckham for example where i come from we've got there was about three very big housing estates and they were all joined together so there would be different housing estates but they for some reason bridged them there was always a bridge that connected them and you're talking in one block four floors 120 homes this is this is this is like an average block he had bigger ones uh, 20 homes three bed to four bed households so if you if you can multiply that you know and you'd find and 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 that's like one block and there's 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 hundreds of blocks joined together you're all on top of each other doing that and you're growing up like i said there'd be a lot of children outside playing and you literally grow up next to each other in each other's gardens you know there's a fence separating it but it's almost like one big estate or one big garden but you know where we played at was our garden so we'd grow up there and become um young adolescents into teenage years and you know there'd be events so there'd be like big parks that were public parks and they'd have what we'd call all day in those days like um like, almost like a festival where um There'd be like, you know, Bouncy Castle, maybe music playing, food selling and all sorts of merchandise and stuff selling. And that's where everybody used to go on a bank holiday, say, they'd hold these events. So by, you know, um, early teens, if there was going to be a fun fair or, you know, these all dayers in these parks, naturally it would be like, oh, are you going? everyone be talking. You're going to the park tomorrow, you're going to the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait for me, not for me, not for me. And easily, by... Uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, could have 15, 20, depending 30, who's got to do chores or who's got to go shopping with their mum or whatever. But you could easily walk across the road, to, walk across these roads to this park, with 15, 20 people, normally boys. <laughs> so um, in walking over there, we we're going over there to have fun. But at the time when you're walking out as a young person and stuff, and this is sort of when you start to encounter the police or you know other situations because, on site, people look and thought, wow, it's a gang. And I, and I said this to Rupert, because okay. we, we were called the Gloucester Grove Boys, not because it's a coined phrase or you know a cool gang name, that was the name of our estate. So you okay. came from that estate, that, that, Gloucester Grove Boys. My estate was called Gloucester Grove Estate. And you can see that on YouTube if you wanna, if you wanna have a look and see what it looks like. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so going over to the park, nobody, nobody formed a gang. There was not, there was not you know, a gang like we wore the same jackets, or, or, you know, so in definition, we were just friends going over to okay. the park. Okay. And uh, that would uh, materialize. <clears throat> Sometimes we go to the park, they have a great time, talk to girls, you know, play, have fun, come back. Some occasions, a fight might happen, for whatever reason now if this is the culture the culture side of things so if i'm if i'm in a park and for whatever reason i get into you know an argument or some sort of fisticuffs with some boy he might be from another estate which is right. a park surrounded by by big estates <clears throat> he might be from another estate and um we could get into a fight now if i am fighting and I'm managing, it's a one-on-one fight. Everyone will stand around, nobody joining, nobody joining. You could have a one-on-one straightener. Yep, straightener, yeah, we, I like it. Over, over and done with. But sometimes, you know, to, the, the old, you know, wipe your mouth and get on with it, some, they started dying out from those ages there. So I could have a, a punch up, might get the better of somebody. But because of an audience, and because of, you know, there's, a, there's an audience here now, there's the park, everybody's gathered around, that person might not accept defeat in, in, in you know, a way that's... So what might happen is, sometimes they might make the mistake afterwards, decide, oh, let's go and get him, because they know what estate we've come from. Mm-hmm. And then come over to my, you know, our estate to fight. Might not be me, might be somebody else. But that would be the mm-hmm. biggest mistake of your life because it's like got turning up at I don't know to go and fight a guy who's got fifteen brothers or something, and you're gonna turn up at his house and fight him, like you know. So they'd be over there, and they'd be like, "No, let's have a one-on-one in the park." It was more of a mutual, mutual ground. But now you're on the estate, so we say, "All right, then." But there's no way my guy is gonna lose on this estate, mm-hmm. and you know, even if he's came up, this this fellow might have came over with a few of his friends. Never a fight and it's all okay as long as my guy is getting the better of him <laughs> once he starts getting the better then the feet start coming in the, the kicks and the boots start coming in and uh, and those sort of things can escalate yeah so of course you're we, gonna do that and then they, they'll end up getting beaten up or they'd run off or whatever and then you know another time we share these parks they used to have adventure playgrounds. I don't know if you guys are familiar with adventure playgrounds and stuff. They used to have um, go karting stuff over there. So all the different boys from the estate used to go over to the same parks and stuff like that. But let's giving you an example of how yeah, it happens. Um, this sort of thing starts to grow, and without even having the mindset of understanding or forming gangs officially. So people, okay. you know, it's not like you know, cut your wrist and put the blood together, and you know, we're blood brothers, and we're in this gang. It's, Enterprise, financial gain, or anything like that. It it never ever started like that. Things are a little bit different now because, you know, I think when people use the phrase uh, gangs for a lot of boys, I mean, some of the boys now, they're growing up up in residential areas, they're not coming from how big housing estates, and they're they're literally joining um, allegiances with other boys that they never grew up with even, you know, just to be in a gang. Whereas ours was quite different. And I was saying about the cultures and where they stem from, because even though my my mum wasn't born in this country, she's from Jamaica. So, you know, and Jamaica has a lot of acidic communities as well, um, in terms of um, cultures and mindsets, reasoning and understanding goes out the window. A lot of ignorance is is sort of, um, how can I say, celebrate? No, it's almost it's, it's almost celebrated. In, in a way in which you deal with situations and stuff. So if we're having a conversation and I don't like what you said to me, it doesn't matter if you know what you're said, what you said to me is right or you know a reasonable statement to make. From those communities, I will just go off and then disrespect you rather than listen to you tell me anything. Because you, as a as whoever you are, I, you can't tell me anything. That that's the mindset. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's irrelevant what they're saying. It's totally irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. That culture, Because I mean, Johnson can tell you, he knows that that culture can go and escalate into any situation you like. If you think about the um, principles of understanding or the lack of understanding. So, you know, violence is something that, you know, you'll see um, from a young age or you'll see readily. So violence isn't something that's abnormal. It just get, you get conditioned, it's just normal. Yeah. And actually, the, the
2: other point you made is that, you know, these young boys, you know, they're, they're getting deeper and deeper into, you know, it starts as friends, um, but as they get deeper and deeper and the retaliation and that, where do you stop? You are almost sucked in deeper and deeper and deeper. And then how do you get out? Johnson, well, did you
1: have anything to comment on that? I mean, what Sean say about, um, the the gang culture today is different to how he grew up. I think he kind of um, relate to me in a sense because Sean grew up on a big estate and it was about the friends and one fight led to the other with me. I used to have that in Grenada in school. I go in school, I yeah. fight in school, go back mm-hmm. the next day and I go and see the principal. But we'll fight again in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So <laughs> But coming to, to, to England, for me, was a different culture. I didn't have that friends, what Sean grew up with over here. I had family, mm-hmm. but it was not the same. So I think when I um, start gaining friends, whatever they was doing is what I would do. Not knowing that the direction I was heading. And I think he made it a lot easier for me to get out because I didn't grow up in the culture over here. Okay. My culture in Grenada is slightly, well, it's far, far, far from, from the culture I end up in. Because I always say back home, in Grenada, is more the elderly that smoke. And when people smoke home, you know, they just smoke weed. That's it. You don't know nothing else um over here the first club i went to i was introduced to speed i didn't even know what it was and everyone was crazy out of the head <laughs> going like this and i'm like they are crazy <laughs> so i could i could relate to that that part of um sean's story so i came in on the later part because I, I was pretty I was old when I get into the, that culture. I was 19. At 19, you're looking to come out. I mean, you, you, you're you out the door a long time. You know, 15 probably is the cutoff point, you know? Uh, so I came in, but I'm talking 99. So it's a far, you know, the distances compared to, 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 to today, probably 19 was acceptable. Now they would call me an old grandpa at 19 mm-hmm. in the culture. Um, so yeah, I could relate to that, that side of it.
2: Okay and as far as culture, what one thing I'm interested in is, is does the, the racial side have anything to do with it or nothing to do with it? So we, we've almost already debunked one myth that you don't have to be from, you know, um, a marginalized background to actually get into any gang violence. Um, it can be you just want your short-term gain of material things and and the illegal route is the, is the most efficient way to achieve those things. Um, but does race come into it at all
1: or, or not? Well, personally, um, coming, coming into this country as an immigrant, um, you would think I would have that problem. I never had this problem. Up to today, even in the job I do in the military, you know, mm-hmm. I've been 20 years in the military, and I never experienced anything racial. So mm-hmm. that, that doesn't mean to say I haven't seen it, but personally, mm-hmm. it never happened to me. So okay. um, on that side, I've been could say pretty lucky or um i don't see color so probably because i don't see color mm-hmm. i never had an issue yeah i mean for me in terms of um
4: getting if 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 race had anything to do with me getting into the kind of lifestyle that i got into no it didn't necessarily have a impact on on that i mean when i was you know young young boy in peckham those days Peckham, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with old, the Old Kent Road or Bermondsey or any of those sort of areas there, but they were like very racist sort of areas and stuff, but Peckham borders Bermondsey. But in those days as a kid, there were still some elements. I remember older, older white boys that used to live on the estate, a lot older than me, that used to say stuff. I didn't even know what they were saying, to be honest with you. And as I grew up older, they, they, they used to say, but by the time we got to a sort of physical age, I had, I had a couple of, of issues in that, but, you know, I'd, at that time, violence was, I'd, I'd already, you know, punched a grown man in his face and knocked him out. So I was quite handy and I wasn't afraid of like, you know, so if I was ever challenged or, or racially abused and all that, that would normally be the outcome of that, but it didn't happen often.
2: And also where I'm coming from too is the, um, I think Rupert touched on an interesting point when, I, when we drove up to Yorkshire last week. It uh, was about how um, certain cultures, whether you're from Jamaica or Grenada or Somalia or whatever, that there's a real, uh, great support network for, um, yeah, for that those communities. Um, and and I was also just curious to know whether the the violence was was a racial thing or a more of a cultural thing, whether it's an estate uh, thing. I- so that's kind of now, where I'm coming from as far as how, how that, does it, does it even, it sounds like it doesn't
1: play a role at all. In my time, it was not about race. It, it was about, you know, what you're doing. If you, if you end up in a fight, it doesn't matter who, what color it is, it's a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if it grow, it don't grow because it's, it's race or color, it grow because you want to win and you, they have, you have to hold the respect.
3: Mm -hmm. So... But but there is an element of, in in all sort of violence like this, there's an element of tribalism. When you go back to the 1930s, you had football gangs who would fight each other, you had gangs fighting in Brighton, and you had the Mods and Rockers who would fight each other. You've always had people who associate with a group who want to. even in my school, um, if you, because I went to a private school I went to in Sherbourne, if we were caught, uh, on your own coming because we go away for the weekend you know, every so often you get the late train back you had to walk through the town if some local lads saw you oh look there's a king School cad and they'd be after us but that's usually that's why we all played rugby and ran because we could always outrun them because they were all sitting around smoking and very unhealthy and, and so we just but again it was this tribal thing where you're not part of my gang you're from one school and I'm from another school yeah. And if yeah. you're, we're going to do you over,
2: so am I right in in um? I'm just, so okay, so Rupert's comment about tribal—is we talking an estate or a, post, a postcode in today's world in London? Yeah. That that's more what kind of brings people together versus
4: yeah, it doesn't matter what background you come from. Because I mean, don't don't I don't know, get me mistaken. My state wasn't just filled up with black boys and that. So there was we, there was white guys we grew up with as well. On my you know, and um. Even now, if you find that in gangs, you will find if you, know, you could easily go on YouTube and, and type in. There, there will be white boys among, among these boys as well. If you've grown up on an estate, you've grown up in the same way.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's
4: like, um, I don't know if you know of a comedian, they call him White Yardy, but he's from Peckham, but he's Jamaican. So, okay. um, I mean, if you see him, if you, if you know any Jamaican people and you see Harry and what he talks about and how he talks, that's how he is because he grew up in Jamaica. In, in a community, so, so if you grew up on my estate, as a white boy that grew up on the estate, and you hang around with a lot of black guys, and people might say, oh, are you speaking like you're black? Well, you probably will, because um, that's all that, that means. I mean, from what what I see the differences now, there was still the culture. Why I say the culture is so important in this is because I could, you know, once fights started to get out of hand, I mean, a fight, you could always grow up and think, will oh, we had a straightener once, it's all right, shake hands and, and it's all good. But once stabbing and and gets involved and things like that, then it's like, well, you tried to kill me or mm-hmm. you did kill My my brother or my cousin or whoever. That you can't get and that won't that doesn't get forgotten. now when I was a kid, I could have a fight. as many people that I had fights with those days they would still have like, you know, just straightness and that. And I could, I could shake hands or people could shake hands with me afterwards because it was a one-on-one straight, fair yeah. fight. If, for example, you know, which happened before where I've come around the corner and I've seen one guy that I had problems with and he's with 12 of his friends. You know, when I see him on his own, he didn't want to fight me. Now he's with 12 of his friends and they all try to rush me or something and that. I would never be um, in respect or respectful to that person. I would never see him and be like, all right, you done me fair and square. No, because it was 12 of you. So there will never, ever be a time when I feel like, you know, I've got a respect for you or there's a mutual respect between us because it was never a fair situation and that. So um, that retaliation will always happen. Now, once it's gone to that and you've sort of like taken the gloves off and done something like that, now I will get, you know, my friends as well and we'll go, over to that estate or, or over to wherever, I'm prepared to do whatever it is we come to do. And um that's because once you take, I mean, those days, if I saw somebody that I had I had um, issues with, maybe walking up the high street with their mum shopping or something on a, on a Saturday, even though I've got a serious situation with them, because they're with their mum, or maybe eyeball them and keep walking past. Nowadays, that because of the breakdown in culture, those kids will keep your mum. To the ground as well as you.
0: Really, you know,
4: I know of, yeah. a, a, of, a, of a young, right, this is um, over in East London, Is an Asian, Asian community, there's a lot of um, stuff going on over there as well. And one mum was with her son and she's she seen these um, boys that he's in a the and they pulled knives out on him. She was literally, he was running around her and they stabbed him to death in front of his mum. Mm-hmm. So once things like that start to happen, older cousins or older brothers, when you see extreme violence happening or some young kid who's been stabbed to death on the street and he's been stabbed 20 times, and you think, cool, you know, he's only, he's only, he's only 17 years old. Sometimes you don't know what, the, what, what they've done. You know what I'm saying? These boys will come to your, your mum's house now, knock the door, your mum opens the door and they'll, they'll come in and they'll do whatever they want to do. You know, so that culture side of things is where the breakdown has gone because that would not happen before now okay, so it's getting, worse. It's getting, getting worse. worse and once you've gone to a certain level there's murders now boys are not even fighting anymore because of the whole peer pressure side of things as well like i told you you can have a fight in prison a lot lots of times i could have a situation and i got out of having fights with a lot of people simply because when there was an audience people will act up and stuff a lot of the times i'd call somebody into a cell get someone to hold the door so they wouldn't lock us in, but they could just pull the door shut and we can have this, 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 sort this out. There's not an audience. There's no one to act up in front of. No one even going to stop it until it's finished. I all them, mm. nine times out of 10, I don't want to fight. I don't, I don't want to fight. That's what happens in that because, yeah, I mean, this person doesn't want to do it because now there's no audience. There's no one to stop it. It's a real man-to-man situation and a lot of them are not really, they haven't even grown up being you know, men and having that one-on-one that man-to-man physical fight. So, what happens now? You've got the culture where people will ridicule you online. So now, even, even, you might, I don't know if you've seen much of these videos, but now, even in prison, out on the street, somebody gets caught by their ops, the opposition. They, they will now film you to further humiliate you and post that online.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. So, yeah. you know, and everyone will laugh. Even if you had a, now, in those days, and you got you, someone got the better of you, it wouldn't be something that's that embarrassing, enough. But now, yeah. taking the L, they can take it to public humiliation, yeah. And, yeah
3: okay.
4: and you know, the fear of that in itself will push people to do the most. It's gone so far now with these, with these gangs. Now, that if I attack one of you guys on your estate or something, they'll be on your estate or where you live, where you're claiming the postcode you're claiming and film their self live outside your house or at your road I'm here where is he And be posting this and people be commenting there'll be like 400 people in there commenting oh yeah this guy's running scared or whatever the case may be you know and that pushes people into doing things because your credibility now because you've you've, you've built your credibility on these platforms wow. you know
3: that, it, it's that, tough but it's really tough to ignore it, isn't it? You can't ignore it. You know, if, if that's um, your lifestyle is I've got to keep my front up.
4: Exactly why I said culture is, is, is really important. Was there a defining moment
2: for you to actually turn things around? What, what inspired you to join um, the Johnson B. Harry VC Foundation? Um, right. And what is, can we talk about about the solution, you know, for these young people that are in this you know, environment that is, is
4: a, like a downward spiral? How, how, do the, how do we help these people? Well, First of all, I think um, for, I'll start with, with um, the situation. If people are in a situation at the moment, I think it is um, to look at your peers, look at your, your surroundings, try to get to know yourself and understand what it is you want for yourself rather than what anyone else talks about. Try to try to be honest and non-biased about your beliefs and what you want. Think about your family, those that actually love you, the ones that actually do care, proven that might be your mum, you know, or your dad who you might not have that much respect for because you you know some of these boys are talk so disrespectful to their um their parents and stuff, but to really <clears throat> look because um some people don't understand what loyalty and real um, love from people that love them is that they don't recognize it. So if you, if you see some young people, you'll find they'll put their life on the line for the guy that they've met or known from, I don't know, they might've met them in prison. They might've met them anywhere or you know, and you've now formed an allegiance with them, but you're, you're riding out with these people to commit, maybe murders or do some, you know, stabbing to serious violence and stuff. But going against, you know, the wishes of your parents, you know, people that whoever your guardian was, that that really loves you and has nurtured you all to this way, whichever way they have done it, they've been there. And you're now pledging your allegiance to somebody that you, you know, I, I think they should question who and what, it is they have around them? Question it honestly. In terms of, is that person really my friend? Is this situation really worth it? Before they get too deeply involved, because a lot of people get themselves into situations, and I guarantee, if they do survive it, if they've been given a sentence of 20 or 25 year recommended sentence by the judge, which means they have to serve that sort of sentence, even if you were 15 year old and you had a certain mindset, I guarantee you before you've reached halfway point of your sentence, you would have matured and, and, and have a different understanding about life. So it's important that you try to look at, even at a young age, because my thing is that young people, you're, you're inexperienced in your life skills. You know, their life experience is too short for you to understand certain things. You've got to give yourself time get to know and understand yourself and what life and friendships and meaning of of all these things are because if you're already in a situation and you want to get out there are there are um services you know you need to speak to somebody you need to speak to maybe if you're at school a teacher some schools have like you know safeguarding teachers and tell them they, they they can find services out there that you can go and talk to people like myself or you know in in the same sort of industry that may be able to help you get out of certain situations in terms of, but the reason why I keep going back to mindsets and cultures so much and that is because a lot of people say they can't do this. They can't get out of that because for example, if somebody's threatening you that you're going to give me some money or give me this or whatever, or you don't, I'm going to stab you after school. I'm going to stab you. There is help. There is people you could tell your teachers, you could call the police, but because of the culture, because of that mindset, oh, if you call the police, you're a grass, or you're a snitch, or you're this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they won't. So, you know, when I say about the cultures, I've got a real big issue with, like, young kids in school, primary school, early secondary school kids that talk about, um, they, use, they use phrases like no face, no case. You'll see them take pictures, and they do pictures like this, no face, no yeah, case. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a snitch, I'm not a snitch. And I'm like... When you, when you define, give me the definition of what you call a snitch. Because for me, the definition isn't just talking to the authorities or talk, talking to your teacher makes you a snitch. If, for example, um, I, I run into the, the local um, off-license or corner shop down the road and, and rob the shop Hsbc. at gunpoint, um, that person whose shop it is, law abiding citizen shopkeeper he's going to call the police and he's going to give them any evidence that he can that gets me to get me arrested or or caught and stuff yeah that person is not a snitch or a grass because he hasn't entered into any agreement with anybody that he's a gangster criminal you know of any sort of fraternity that is on the opposite side of the law so he he's supposed to call the police if he saw somebody you know, dragging away a young girl into a car, you're gonna call the police, give the registration, give the things in that Yeah, That's a, that's a, that's a upstanding citizen, a law-abiding citizen. That's, some, that's, a, that's, not a, that's not a grass or a snitch or, a, or, or an informer or whatever they wanna call it. Somebody who's joined into criminal enterprises for monetary gain or whatever it is, knowing consequences and understanding that, you know, if this goes wrong, this is gonna happen then gets arrested, then decides to tell the police, all of his friends that are all doing this and that and the other, yes, you can consider that person a snitch because like in the mafia, when they got into these sort of enterprises and then they got caught, then they decided to get everyone else, Nick, to get their self a, a lesser sentence or whatever the case may be. That's what it is. So when people, young people are out here saying no face, no case, and um, oh, I'm not a snitch, I'm not a snitch, what you're actually doing is criminalizing yourself before you're actually even doing criminal activity you're taking on the persona of a criminal. And then once you say that stuff in front of people as well, I'd never snitch, I would never do this, I'd never do that. Now that you're threatened with someone stabbing you after school, you know, you'll want to tell the teacher, you'll want to call the police, but because of the peer pressures that you've put yourself in, they won't. And a lot of the times they don't. And if they do, they say it to you, if I tell they're gonna call me a snitch. So you'd rather be stabbed to death you know, but because they put themselves into these kind of positions, this is why I say the culture is so important that you
3: This comes back to something that we were before you joined, we were talking about consequential thinking. Is if I do this, what's the upside and what's the downside? And here you've got a, a prima facie case where somebody has said, if I tell anybody that somebody's threatening, me, gonna kill me, um they haven't measured that and, and weighed up the upsides versus the downsides. Because all they can see is the downside and they call the switch. Yeah. But the real, as you quite rightly point out, the real downside is somebody's going to stick a knife in. And one of the other things we've got going against us, I think, is, is biology is not on our side. Because typically the human brain isn't fully developed till you're about 25. We can, we can all apply logic to situations. The trouble is we cannot assume that a fifteen or sixteen year old lad will apply that same logic because his synapses are still rewiring themselves and he's still coming to terms with a whole load of things that his brain is because the brain's rewiring itself. And they're trying to have to make sense of a world that beforehand was very easy for them. But you know, up to that point you believed everything your parents told you. You you took for granted that what you were told was the truth. Now you've got some as you start to develop your logic, you can realize that your your mother or your father have been lying through their teeth uh, for the past 13 years in order to get that you see it in order mm. to do them. You see, well, yes. I was manipulated when I was younger in order to drive my behavior. Yeah. Now I'm independent, I know what's best for me, you can't tell me what to do, because their brain is 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 doing that. Yeah. But the problem is to try and get them to be introspective and say, Well, actually, and and understand. Well, my brain is still developing, and therefore, even though I think I've made the right decision, it may well be the wrong decision because I haven't applied the right thought process. They're not going to agree with that because they're they're finding this new mental independence.
2: So, in in layman's terms, that's that's new. They need new role. They need role models and mentors to help them see the other side. Um, And as uh, Sean said, they also need to reach a point where you know is this what I want? And then, then, you know, but even given the idea to look around them, I mean, when you're in it, how are you going to even see that you're doing something? You know, how are you going to see there's a different life?
3: What was the turning point for you, Sean?
4: Well, I don't know if it was even so much of a turning point, because although I got, you know, went to prison for like serious violence and stuff like that, I did have, you know, busy mind before, I, I, I went to prison, and I was quite a sensible person, believe it or not. <laughs> so a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the things that I got into, you know, <clears throat> I didn't go to prison for <clears throat> robbery or anything like that. I went to prison for firearms offences for, you know, wounding with intent. And um, so, in even in that, was in retaliation, which for me wasn't. A wrongdoing, if you like. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So, even, even for what I went to prison for, it was sort of at, at, at first, I guess, um, difficult for me to be remorseful because I was aggressed by somebody first, you know, and that's why that retaliation situation happened, you know, and that's just the way of the world as far as I knew, you know what I'm saying, at that time and stuff. so. You know, for them, it was like to me they they grasped on me because these people actually had firearms themselves. Had sent people after me, you know, before.
0: I've been kind of just sitting here quietly because I think it's for me it's really interesting just to kind of digest everything you're saying. And because from what I know about it, it's mainly been fueled by the media, and I've only seen all of it from that sort of one perspective of it. And it's really interesting to hear kind of about how you guys have grown up with it that groups the role models and particularly the social media influence um that is actually influencing all of this kind of activity Um, so i mean that's why i've just kind of been sitting and really trying to digest it and understand it but one actually question i'd like to ask is where would you say that social media and particularly the media has had an influence on the gang culture because obviously i see that one perspective from them but from what i'm hearing from you guys there's so much more to it in terms of how it actually works in the families and, and the bringing and, and kind of the role models that you have. Would you have to comment I, on that? I think
1: Sean cover that in quite lengthy uh, by mentioning how um, members use social media yeah. to, to humiliate others.
0: It was more covering, like, for example, from the TV side and, and that sort of...
1: Oh, on the TV BBC side. News, well, that sort TV of media, yeah. Well, for the TV side, um, if something happened, let's use um, Peckham as an example because Sean mentioned it so many times. Um, if something happened in Peckham, the media wouldn't say John Smith did X, Y, and Z. They're going to say the black boy from Peckham so then they, they categorize everyone they put everyone in the same group so it wouldn't be a black or white or a Chinese or Asian person it would be they they would use that actual mm, category yeah. and put everyone in the same group instead of naming the person what they did Yeah, and absolutely. on the other side no one buy the papers if anything positive in it so if I was to be on the front page saying talking about the good work you know, we do with the JBVC Foundation, you would think the papers would actually, people would really want to read about what I'm doing to help in the community. No, they yeah. wouldn't buy the papers. But if they see me on the front page with something negative, it don't have to be true, people will grab the paper.
3: We are a nation of 68 million individuals, but nobody wants us to be individuals anymore. They want us, it's all about identity politics. So if I am who I am, so I'm Rupert, you know, Bosch upbringing, ex-public school, I must wear some pink corduroy trousers, for so. example. Well, the media created as
1: well because, I don't know, I didn't grow up in the 50s or the 60s. Back then, a group of guys never was classed as young. Now, if two person, two young person working together, they will be labeled as gang member. So, you know, it's society today, the media and people in, in general creating this bubble.
3: Back in the, in the 60s, we had the Mods and the Rockers. There were different motorcycle gangs who would fight each other. They would go down to Brighton on the bank holiday, specifically getting the shit of you. And I know when I first started riding a motorbike, uh, when I was sort of 18 years old, there were lots of pubs where I couldn't go into because I was a motorcyclist. There would be signs on the door saying, no motorcyclists here. Because the association was that if you were on a motorbike, you must be associated with some form of gang, Hells Angels, Mods, Rockers, or whatever. Now you don't get that. You yeah, But
1: you get that with football now. You cannot go in a pub and lose a different team in that pub talking about their team because everyone's team is the
3: best team. Yeah. So at some point, but the trouble is, we get we get assigned to, you know, I so said this identity politics where they pick up a couple of characteristics about you and immediately lump you into a group. Yeah. But I maintain very strongly, we are a nation of sixty-eight million individuals, and I'm with Martin Luther King on this. He says, he also you should judge a man by their character, not their characteristics. And we've forgotten to do that.
2: We've forgotten to do that. It's a really good message. So, Johnson, before you go, um, if you were to leave our listeners with one piece of advice...
1: What I would say, you know, um, is think for yourself. Think for yourself and don't let others think for you. And remember, anything you want in life, you would achieve it, but you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. Nothing in life comes easy.
2: So, Sean... um, I was going to ask you the same questions actually if you were to give um, someone some advice uh, you know if there's one bit of advice you can give our listeners or you know or someone in, in a in a situation that is is
4: pretty uh, tough to get out of what, what would that what would that be? The one bit of advice there's so many there's so many other factors involved and stuff but I think what Johnson said just second and, and again about understanding and, and knowing yourself and doing what it is you want to do I always say yeah. to people, if, if you're on that bad path, it's your decision. Oh, well, you know, the consequences when they do come, at least you made those decisions yourself and you know, you, you found yourself. There. But if you feel that you're under pressure or under from anybody, or you know, question yourself really, question what it's really about and make up your own decision about what you want to do. Don't pressured or 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 you know, feel like you have to do something to please others and stuff, because you will find later on in life, or if you're in custody, or even if you're dead, that those people will go on about their business and do what, what it is they need to do. Um, I think just saying it like that, it's a lot, you know, it sort of trivializes the depth of some of the um, situations people are in, but um, in, in all honesty, I think in terms of a solution, for something that is so entrenched and evolved, as I've, I've told you, it's evolved negatively over the years, from when yeah. I was a kid, I think, you know, we or people need to spread that culture again to understanding about the nurturing and to sort of cut out the negative um, narrative around, you know, what we do and what we do with our our young children and, you know, what we want in life and how we obtain it. You know, I think um, if we start from a very young age and nurture those young people, that eventually cultures will change you know, and and people will get back to how how they were in the, in in terms of um respecting life and respecting their futures and respecting the parents and other people that they affect um, with their actions and stuff. So if that understanding is taught to young people and and implemented a lot more, I think that that generation will fade will fade out. Okay, and I think that is the best solution in regards to I'm um, getting through this this stuff. So what what's your what's your that's really good
2: advice um what's your vision for johnson b harry vc foundation what do you what do you want where do you want to see the charity go in the next five years
4: well um, i met with um rebecca who's um member of the, the trustees um this week and we've been talking about finding out ways in which we can um sort of expand on what it is that we do so in terms of you know, we we get with barrels, people that are in custody and we go in and meet them and stuff. It's a, it's an intervention process and stuff. Yeah? And it's sometimes you're going against a system that isn't, you know, open or set up to sort of allow you to freely make these adjustments with these people. So I've been talking to um, Rebecca and I've mentioned briefly to Rupa, I guess, about where we could go with with um this project and and the idea that we can help young people and have a more impactful um change on change in their in their in their life by sort of acquiring maybe even a premises or some something even if we can get it, this is what we 've been talking about if we can get some sort of premises where we can have training sort of enterprises alongside a bolt on of like the j b v c s um work like what I do with them, like the one-to-one key working and mentoring and, and understanding. But to have enterprises where we have like training. So because to me it's it's a lot more holistic in terms of um, you know, if you're working with a young person, you've got to get to know where the background is that they come from, their parents and you know, all of this sort of stuff. So I'm talking about starting to try and get venues where we can have training sessions. Um, mentoring sessions all under sort of one roof or have people come in there and develop um, something else more than just sort of like the signposting and, you know, trying to point people in a a direction rather, you know what I'm saying? Something that we can literally give back in terms of a skill. You know, I've got people that can do training and stuff and that and and volunteer and their expertise to a degree um, in different fields. But I think if we've got some sort of venue, or we could use mobile venues. But I just believe that if we've got these sort of venues that we could do this together, yep. um, I think then we'd have a bit more of an impact and a, of, of the understanding and that as well for what we're doing. Okay.
3: You do need a mix because if you look at the the JBVC Foundation, and uh, one of one of the successes, uh, one of the major reasons for our success is is that running a, a charitable foundation is, is multifaceted. Yeah, because it's you, a holistic approach. You, you have to, you have to do, we have to have the corporate governance so we have to get the money in, we have to mm-hmm. reply to the tax matter and, and do all the regulatory stuff, which is a pain in the backside, but it has yeah, to be tell that. me about it. But the people who can do that, and are, are versed at doing that, people like me and some of the other trustees, that's why, in order for us to be successful, you you need Sean, uh, you need me, you need Johnson as the figurehead. Yeah. Need all of us yeah. to work together um, in order for the foundation to be successful. Because there are so yeah. many facets.
4: I'm a strong believer in sort of um, being like destined to sort of do some things in life, and people to do. You know what I mean, I've never met you guys before we're all having this conversation on yeah. on, on, on this Zoom um, party now and, you know, through Rupert, through Rebecca, there's other people that I will meet. I got into this business. I've always been doing what I've been doing in my community, but getting into St. Giles and then meeting with, say, um, JBVC just seems like a sort of destined thing. And I think through conversations, yeah. ideas can bloom and blossom in that in terms of how this thing works, like what Rupert was saying, you know, people from different backgrounds and that, you know, you can't clap with one hand. So it's like, you if we can somehow bridge those gaps and stuff and that can create- 100%. And, and changes in that. And I think that is exactly what is needed.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Rocket Pod. Check out the JBVC Foundation at jbvc-foundation.org.uk. Join us next week as we are joined by Joanna Baptista, award-winning social entrepreneur and TEDx speaker. Thank you, as always, to our awesome sponsor, Flexi, who is the mecca for all your subscriptions, where you can manage, discover, and switch between subscriptions on the go, all from a single dashboard. Check us out on social media at Pod, And, of course, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.